I'm Stacy Mitchell, and you're listening to Something Even Better, a podcast about letting go of old dreams and what's not working so you can make room for something even better, where we explore the many unexpected twists we all go through to find our way to more aligned and meaningful work and lives. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of Something Even Better. Today, we have a really fun guest, and I was actually just talking to her about how excited I was about the topic and also about the synchronicity of the scheduling because this comes out on Valentine's Day. And I swear to you all, it was not meant to be. I mean, it was meant to be, but I didn't plan it that way. (laughs) It was just like the next episode to put out. What are the chances? So. Today we have on the podcast, Carrie Lou Cowell, and she is the anti-soulmate love coach. Now you're all going, huh, that's why it's funny. (laughs) She helps people examine and expand their definitions of love, romance, and dating so that they can step off the relationship escalator and create the loving and liberated relationships of their dreams. Carrie is a non-monogamous, non-binary, queer, demisexual woman who brings 22 years of experience in non-monogamy and kink BDSM, along with a doctoral education in clinical psychology and multiple wellness and trauma-informed trainings to her work as a coach. Welcome, Carrie, to the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, and I love so much that this episode is dropping on Valentine's Day. It's just hilarious to me. <laughs> it's like it's so everything fun. came together perfectly to sync this where it was supposed to be. <laughs> People will be looking for it, right? I think I'm trying to think of where we came across each other. We know each other from a Facebook group now that I remember it. I think I had posted about the podcast in a thread, you know, one of those threads of like market your thing, posted the podcast, and you were like, ooh, 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 me. <laughs> And you put in like your application, whatever it was. And I was like, yes, you have actually a couple of really good topics to talk about, but we chose one for this one. Maybe we'll have you back. I love to do that. So maybe you'll be back on. But since we're talking about something even better on every podcast, tell me a little bit about your something even better story that we're talking about today. Mm, Okay. This one is so like, so near and dear to my heart, especially because um, this person popped up again recently, but my something even better was leaving a beautiful relationship with the only person that I've ever wanted to have children with for something better. And I mean, I don't know how much you want me to go into like background right now, or if you're going to ask me more questions, but (laughs) well, I'm automatically like, on the edge of my seat. I need to know more. And I, I think, you know, we already alluded to the fact that so many people, you know, we're going to love this podcast, need this podcast today. And, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. You put in your document that you are child be child free by choice. I am child free by choice. And I've actually never said it on the podcast. So here I am coming out with the child free by choice, (laughs) but this was a person you met that tell me if I'm wrong, but this person changed your mind, right? Uh, you know, it was, it was a journey. Um, and I think I'm just going to start at the beginning because yeah, do. our story, our story actually started about 
at least five years before we actually got together. So I currently live in Los Angeles and I used to live, I've traveled, I've lived all over the place. So I used to live in Rhode Island and I also went to undergrad here in Los Angeles. And one of my high school friends and I went to undergrad together. Um, We're both from Wisconsin. So we traveled to Los Angeles together. We've been in each other's lives, like still, like we're still in each other's lives. And so I was out here visiting my childhood friend and we both are very nerdy. We love board games. And he's like, hey, I'm going to get a bunch of people together while you're here to play board games. And I'm like, okay, cool. And this particular person that I ended up in a relationship with who who really did like, I don't know if I want to say he changed my mind, but like he was definitely, it was a very primal, I need your, I like, I need your babies and I need them like right now. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason but, for that, right? Yeah, that biological yeah. drive, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And he, so he was there. He was one of the people at this game night. And I thought like, wow, you're really cute. Also, I live across the country. So like, this is it, right? Like, you're just really cute. And then, you know, a few years later, I moved back to Los Angeles. And I actually end up living with somebody that he went to high school with. Wow. Yeah. And my roommate at the time called me up and was like, like, unbeknownst, like nobody really knew that I had met this guy before. Um, except for my friend, right? Obviously. But like my roommate calls me up one day and he's like, Hey, are you home tonight? My friend's a chef. He's coming over. He wants to cook a steak and we're going to play board games. And I was like, yeah, I'm totally in for that. Like I'm a foodie. I'm a board game nerd. I'm like steak and board games all about it. And it's this guy, it's this guy. And I was like, Oh my God, like he's here. He's alive. And that was really like, like the beginning of our love story started like multiple years before it actually started. And it was so synchronous and like very rom-com. That was totally my thought. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I had never, like, I don't actually. (laughs) So my child free by choice journey was really because I grew up in an abusive family. Mm. And I was like, I don't ever want to put this on my kids. Don't ever want to have kids. Don't even really want to get married because there's a whole bunch of problematic shit around that. Um, Love, love. Sometimes want to get married just because I like being a princess, but not like in the same way as like, this is not the thing I've been dreaming of since childhood. Right. Right. And like right around my thirties, I had done a lot of like mother wound healing. Um, and I was like, I mean, maybe kids, but like, eh, you know, it was kind of like, I'm on the fence. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I don't like, it doesn't really matter to me either way. Right. I can adjust as needed, but this guy, there was something and it was, it was very, I don't want to say biological. Cause I think we associate with that with like the biological, like maternal clock, which I didn't have. Right. But it was something very primal. Like I need to have your babies. And it wasn't, I could not explain it. I could not explain it at all. Even just our connection and thinking about it now. So the reason he came up recently is because that childhood friend of mine is getting married Mm -hmm. and uh, this fall, he's getting married this fall and their friends we had a lot of mutual friends. So like, he's going to be at the wedding and I'm like, Ooh, I actually need like not the nine months that it's going to take me until your wedding to like emotionally prepare for this because I didn't stop loving him. I still love him. I'm not, um, I may even still be in love with him. And like part of our relationship did start with like, I ended up cheating on like a new relationship with him because there is this very primal 
pull that we have towards each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's something to be said, and I know this is like very, it's the physicalness of it. Right. And like pheromones, there's all sorts of things that we don't really ever talk about like, <laughs> that are yeah. sort of behind the scenes that c- can come to like attraction and the chemi- like the actual chemistry of it. Not like the love chemist. I mean, there is like love chemistry, dopamine and all the things, but yeah. Yeah. But there's like the if we were cave people, like I would be having your babies and it didn't matter like how bad or good or like neutral I was about this relationship. Like this is just the way it's going to be. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. There's just something about that relationship. So I'm wondering, cause I know like we're going to get there. Like at some point you, you, you're still, you still probably love him. I mean, you love him. You maybe still are in love with him. So I'm wondering what happened. Like, how did you get to this point where it was like, mm, no, I need to do something different. It was really just a mismatch in drive, in like personal drive. And, and so like, I grew up with a mom who was very codependent and like, I was the fixer and the helper of the family. And like, so a lot of my relationships were like, not, um, I know like sometimes for some people, it can go to that extreme of like people who have like substance abuse disorders or like people who are emotionally unavailable. And that wasn't my thing. It was very subtle, right? Because I spent a lot of my life, like actually very much rebelling against, you know, being that helper in my family, but it would show up in these ways of like, oh, my partner doesn't know what to do. So I just basically coach them until they figured it out. Right. Um, and, and it got to that point where I was just tired and I was tired of being that role in my relationships. And I didn't want to have to push him to see like the timelines that were very apparent to me. So like he had an opportunity come up where um, he works in a very competitive industry and he had an opportunity come up um, but the person whose position he would have taken over hadn't left yet. And he's like, well, I'll just wait until they leave. And I'm like, that's not how this works. Right. So, um, so, you know, it really was a lot of like, no, you need to talk to your managers now. You need to talk to the higher ups now. Like, and I also got to the point cause he, he had, um, a lot of social anxiety and depression and, um, you know, so it was pushing him to like, go to see a therapist and like continue with his therapy. And, Um, and it was really seeing like, as much as I loved him so much and as much as I wanted his babies, I was like, shit, if I have kids with him, I'm the one, I'm the one who's going to be doing all of the labor. And I'm like, I cannot, I can't, like, I can't do that. I don't even know. Like if I'm really, especially now that I have puppies, like, I don't even really know if I'm like cut out for like motherhood I know people who are and they're fabulous and they're so patient and they're so great at being parents and I'm like I don't know if that's me um and especially if I'm the only one who's doing it and I kind of have to pull you along like I don't need like an extra child <laughs> so like, yeah. Yeah. I actually am really glad I mean it's I, I didn't know where this conversation was going to go, but in some ways I'm like, oh, I could talk so much and I don't have children, but talk so much about spouses that don't support spouses mm-hmm. equally. Yeah. Um, 
and the load, the, the mental load, but the physical load, all of the load in terms of like childcare and how much it tends to burn. I mean, really, I'm going to use the word yeah. burden, <laughs> burden exactly. one person typically in the, you know, yeah. the, the, the woman role, if you will. But um, it's just, it's such a hard thing. It's so hard. And I feel like, especially because I'm not one of those people who takes on a lot of the like societal conditioning that, that is, is in our culture. It's extra hard because it's like, well, should I be more or should I be better and not like, well, I'm just going to let this all pile on because I know that this is like what I've been conditioned to do. It's like, well, where am I actually being too demanding and like am I being imbalanced because I have been fighting against the patriarchy for so long it, I mean it's a really good question and I think so many people they they want that answer of like where is the balance and I think it's really hard like you said when there is so much conditioning it's really hard to work through that conditioning to see what like the I don't know if the truth is the right way to describe it but sort of like what is the me being honest and authentic for myself and what is me being like overkill, you know? And it's just, that's a hard, I don't know that there's a right answer there when it comes to all of the conditioning that all of us have been through. I think, you know, the only answer is whatever is right for you. You know, if, if, if you can take on that caretaker role, like my husband and I talk about it all the time where, and to, to be clear, like I call him my husband because we share a life together and our plan is like, to share our lives together, you know, for the long-term foreseeable future, but we're not like legally married because I am not a fan of that. Um, But, you know, we ideally, right. Like I would be the breadwinner and he would be the caretaker of our puppies in our home, but like, that's not where we're at right now. So it is like, well, while we're working towards that, like, and currently he's the breadwinner, like where, where does all of this fall? you know, and who does the responsibility fall to? Because like, we just have responsibility because we're adults, right? So somebody has to take care of it. Yeah. And it can't all just be one person and it, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't make sense to just like do this silly thing that we do where it's like, oh, you're this, you identify as this. So you have to do this. Like, it doesn't make any sense. What if you love working on cars? Like, what if you love cleaning? I don't, I'm just making some, yeah. I don't know too many people that love cleaning, but. <laughs> but, but, right? but, then, but then you get into the nuance and complexity of like, you know, my husband loves to cook dinner, but he's also working a corporate nine to five job. Yeah. So he does both. And like, oftentimes he takes care of the puppies. Like where, you know, where does the balance come in and where do we, how do we find that? Right. Yeah. And how do we make yeah. it equitable? especially when you bring into the conversation, like not just like the actual physical labor of like managing a house, but like the emotional and mental labor, which usually falls on me um, just because of the way I was conditioned. And also because I'm a woman and also because he's a cis hat white male who just doesn't think about these things. So, you know, it's just like, how do you find that balance? Yeah. And it's really, I mean, it's really, really hard. And I, you know, I have friends who will say, you know, we've talked, I've sent the articles about like the mental load and I've talked about it. They don't, but they don't get it. (laughs) Many times I'm like, yeah, I don't don't think they do. I think it's kind of sad, but I think that there's, there's, I'm seeing like in my brain, like right now, 
you, you decided to leave this person because you knew that changing this person into someone who could understand that and actually try to lessen it was probably never going to happen. Right. And I do think that's true for some people. It's, it's very, very hard. Well, we had, so the question that really led to this breakup, because we took a break for like a month so I could figure out, you know, we both could figure out, you know, our feelings and our shit and like all of that and like where we wanted to go or if we wanted to move forward with our relationship. And the question that really was the thing that caused me to end things with him was, can I accept him now as he is now forever? Mm-hmm. That is such a and, good question, by the way. Such a good question. Thank you. And it was no. The answer was no. And it was heartbreaking, like so heartbreaking because I wished I could. I really did. I wished I could. Yeah. And what's interesting is I wonder, I mean, this is going to, it's a Valentine's Day episode, which is kind of like, ooh, but I wonder how many of us would ask that question about our partners and go, mm. Luckily, I feel like the answer is like, yes, I <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. But I imagine there's some people out there that are like, oh, he's never, he, she, they, what, they're never going to be different. Yeah. And it's a hard thing. And I, but I think like that was really what changed the trajectory of like the people that I dated after this relationship ended because it was this huge realization, which I think like logically, like I think we always know, right? You have to accept people as they are because change only happens when you want to change. It's not because of, I mean, it might happen because of someone else, quote unquote, but it's not real change. Like the only time real change happens is when you want to change as the individual. And, and so that question was like, oh, this is the question I need to be asking about like everybody that I date because one, I'm not going to take on this role anymore of being the change maker. And two, I have to, I have, if I want like a really solid, equitable relationship, I have to be able to accept my partner um, exactly as they are. Yeah. Right now without any, without any consideration that they might change. Yeah, because even just the the idea, the wanting of it, I think, adds to your load, like your emotional and your mental load. The, I wish they would do this. I wish they would do that. I'm going to tell them they need to do this, right? It's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Which is stressful for both parties, honestly, because if someone's always trying to change you, you're like, why are we together? Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I would be, so I oftentimes will think like, I would be annoyed if someone was constantly saying, you need to be doing this. You need to be doing that. You need to change. You need to talk softer. I'm just making things up. Right. But (laughs) whatever it may be, stop laughing so much. I don't know, making things up about myself. Right. I would be annoyed if somebody said like, you need to change these things that I don't particularly want to change. Well, and it's funny that you say talk softer because I'm actually very noise sensitive and my husband is so loud. He's so loud. So there are times where I have to be like, hey, can you like take it down a notch? Because like, I I can't, I'm like, I'm so, my nervous system so activated. I can't actually process what you're saying. Um, So it's really funny. That is something we're we're trying to navigate uh, in our relationship. But um, 
but it also what what this leaving that past relationship did for me was really solidified this value of being with people who who valued change who valued growth and expansion because you know my ex was very much somebody who liked to stay in his comfort zone and i mean some of it also like you know looking back i'm like okay i'm somebody who moves very very quickly when i decide it's time to change it's just time to change and it happens whereas i know like other people you know have a longer process with that so even looking at that as like you know a thing to be mindful of when i got into relationships with other people is like well how long is your processing time because like, yes, on a level, like this is my own patience that I need to work on. And also like, it's going to be easier for me to be in a relationship with someone who processes at a quicker speed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because you were talking at the beginning of, you know, you like to move and, you know, I imagine I like to move too. I've moved a lot as an adult um, and we like to move and we like to travel. And that does make life easier when you can be like, okay, we want to move in two years. We're going to make it happen. Or we want to move in a year. We're going to make it happen. Whereas somebody who's in that status quo, like, "Mm." (laughs) you know, you might end up in the same place five years later. And then you're like, why am I still here? Right. Exactly. And and, or, right. You get into a lot of like disagreements about like whether or not you're going to be moving or how long it's going to take to do that. Yeah. And so it was really like rechecking my values and making sure that the people that I dated shared the same values. Yeah. Yeah. Is that values towards growth, the values toward, and you know, what's interesting is that there's nothing wrong with having a value for the status quo, because there are people out there that like that. They don't like totally. change. They don't, they like stability. They like the security of it. Um, I mean, what some could say, like, there really is no security and stability. Which I, I would probably say that's true, but um, you know, the values just aren't a match it's sort of, it's like a, of course, like this, this is not my person. And yeah. Yeah. It's time. And yeah. And in a way, like when you look at things from like a values perspective, like relationships specifically, um, when you look at them from a, uh, a values perspective, it's so much easier to let go of the things that are not aligned with your values. And again, like you were saying, like there's nothing wrong with traditional values, status quo values. Like if that's your thing, that's your thing, like have at it, you know, like I'm so for that for you, but that is not going to work for me, for my life, for who I am as a human being. And knowing that it, Again, not to say that it isn't still sad, especially like um, my ex and I were together for, I think like two years and, you know, had the plan on like spending the rest of our lives together. And we were talking about moving in together and all of that, you know, like stuff, but like, yes, it was very sad and heartbreaking, but it was so much easier to see like, okay, this is not either of us. It's just, we're just different. Yeah. Yeah. It's just we together are not the best match for each other, but we separately are amazing people. We could still even love each other. It's just not, it's not that lifelong kind of match where we're going to be happy (laughs) for a long period of time. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We would be very frustrated. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, what's really interesting that's come up for me while you're talking through this and while we're sort of having this conversation is 
I wonder how many people hide from like the, their true values in order to just stay with the person that they're with because it's easier. And I mean, it's not really easier, but because they think that it's easier. I just wonder if there's something to that. Like, I wonder what, I don't know, just curious your thoughts on all of that. (laughs) Yeah, I, yes, yes. And I do believe, I mean, I have friends and I mean, I work with this, I'm uh, with my clients on this as well, but like when I break, so if we're talking like labels, which I don't love, um, cause I grew up in like the late eighties, early nineties, where a lot of the labels that are available to us today are, were not available. So like my work growing up was really deconditioning from any label and just being Carrie. Um, but I actually do enjoy this label. Like I'm a relationship anarchist, which is the idea that, you know, every relationship I have, it has its own like guidelines and um, is co-created in relationship with these other people, right? It doesn't necessarily, some of them might, but it doesn't necessarily have to fit the status quo of like what friendship is supposed to look like or what like romance is supposed to look like, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll bring this up to my friends who have been married for a while. And, you know, because they're talking to me about like how their sex life is no longer or like, you know, some, you know, thing that they're unhappy about in their marriage. And they're like, oh man, if I had known about this. And then there's really this fear and the fear is around like losing what they had because it's not that what they have is bad. It's just like, they're desiring something different. And then the fear, I think, and the reason why these things are not talked about, but the fear is really like this fear of loss because I I did have a friend of mine say like, Oh, if I, if I actually talked to my wife about like opening up our marriage, like she would divorce me so quick. And it's, it's so sad to me because it being able to say these things Knowing that you are exposing your whole heart is so vulnerable. And it makes me so sad that people don't feel safe in their most intimate relationships, whether that's trusting themselves or their partner um, or partners to express these truths. Yes. Yeah. Um, the way that you said that was beautifully said. Like that, it, it is very sad. The person that you're, I mean, in terms of like how we think about relationships, I think, especially in Western culture, it's like your marriage relationship is the most important relationships in many, in many ways. I don't know that that should be the case, but we're just going to say that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like that's normally the way that it sort of is showcased um, in Western culture. So it's just so bizarre. And as you were saying, sad to think that you can't bring up like what is really going on to that person. Like, I don't know, like brain goes, boom, like I I did a little exploding head thing for those that are listening and not seeing us, but (laughs) it's just so, it's so interesting. Well, and I think that's really where, and this is why I do the work that I do, but I think that's where this deconditioning around, like you said, that our marriage is supposed to be like the most important relationship when really like, if you, if you look at like the before times, I don't really know what that is, but like, (laughs) (laughs) but like, 
the village is a concept that has been around far longer than like the hyper independent patriarchal culture that we currently live in in the Western mm-hmm. world. And, and really deconditioning from this idea that like the person you're married to or your partner is like the one. This is why I'm the anti soulmate love coach because we do have this idea that, you know, there's only one person for us in the entire world, in the like 7 trillion billion, <laughs> however many people there are in the world, there's just one. You can only find one. And we have coupled that with this idea that the soulmate is also the one. And so it, it it really is stemming from like, to use like wellness terms, right? Like it is stemming from this idea of lack and that makes dating and love so stressful. Yeah. Cause it's like, if it doesn't work out, if I thought this person was the one and it's not going to work out, like this is the worst thing ever because there is no one else out there. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yes. And we're expected, we're expected yeah. to deal with that. I mean, like, of course we have our friends to like, you know, help us through that, but like really we're expected to deal with that on our own because not to say that people's friendships aren't deep and intimate because they obviously can be, but yeah. like we're conditioned in such a way that like you know if you got divorced like there's really no village to fall back on to help support you through that yeah I would say that's true and I think in many ways um I I mean I feel like okay what would happen if you know I always do yeah. that right like what happened if and then I'm like oh I need to make closer friends <laughs> yes <laughs> yes it is I need like- to actively work on this because that's a problem <laughs> Yeah, yeah thing. it's yeah. cultivating the relationships, the love outside of the love that we've been conditioned to think is like the only love, really, because if you look at love, like from our current standards, like the current Western standards, it's romantic love, whoever your person is that you partner with or marry with forever. Um and familial love and like friend love is kind of like sneaking its way in there. It's like more common nowadays to say like, I love you to your friends and stuff, but it still gets kind of weird. Like, especially if it's like a different gendered relationship, friendship, like it still gets kind of weird. People get really weird about it. Yeah. It's like, we only say that to certain people. And I actually think some of the happiest times in my life is when people would tell me they love me like friends, you know, or coworkers, I'd be like, Oh, this is the best moment. ever." It's just, there's because it's so rare. It's like, yes, I'm so glad you're willing to say it because I feel the same way. Yeah. And I just think it's nice. Right. We're, we're values aligned and I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. What would you say to someone who, you know, they're with someone because there's somebody out there that's listening. I guarantee it. They're with someone and like, this is not a match, right? It's not a values match. Maybe I do want to look for something that feels more equitable for me. Like, what would you, what would you tell, tell them? Well, (laughs) especially since becoming a coach, I've like, I've found more balance in this, but like friend Carrie would say, dump them and move on. (laughs) But But like coach Carrie would really look at how do you feel about this person? Because it does matter. Like that feeling of love versus like the act of love, it does matter. And it can be very difficult, right? Like clearly is my story. Like it took me a whole month to even consider like, well, I was, it took me a long time to consider, to even consider breaking up with him. And then it took me a whole month to actually break up with him. So like, it does matter. And is there a way that if 
this is someone you have strong feelings for. Is there a way that you two can find common ground and put in that effort that is required in all long-term relationships, um, including friendships? Or is it really that much of a values mismatch that like, for instance, if he wants kids and you don't, or if they want kids and you don't, like that's a huge values mismatch. There's no way you can like find common ground on that. You can't have half a kid. It just does not, you know, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Um, if it is that much of a values mismatch, then it is time to break up. Or if you wanted to explore non-monogamy, then seeing that relationship as this is what this is, and maybe this isn't like, a long-term relationship in the way we've been conditioned to see long-term relationships. Like maybe we won't ever move in together or have kids together or like, you know, share pets together or whatever, but maybe this could be like a cool thing and it'll last however long it lasts. And if I want a life partner, like that's something I can go seeking. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of coming to that agreement of who, who that person is in your life. Like where, where do they fit in your life? Um, and is it the lifelong, is it the whatever, or is it something else entirely and sort of being open to that? Because yeah, I do think there's sort of this either, or, you know, like they're either in your life or they're not. And sometimes it's like, there, there might, depending on who you are, your values, everything else, there might be room for something else. There might, and you know, maybe that means like, if you are like fully monogamous, like, um, Maybe that means like you do break up and you take a break, like actually take a break. That is like a hundred percent, like fully believe that like, if you break up with someone and you want to stay friends, you actually take a break. Yeah. Um, And maybe they are just friends later. Like who knows? Cause I don't feel like you just stop loving people. That's just not how love works. Yeah even in the action, like, especially, especially in the feelings piece, but even in the action piece, because like, if you want to look at it from like a really like outside of the status quo way, like him and I, like my ex and I are loving each other by leaving each other the fuck alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, really, this is just, it's not going to work out. (laughs) And and I don't think, cause we did the whole, like, well, we're kind of seeing each other, even though we're technically broken up thing for like three or more months after we officially broke up. But like, I don't even, I honestly don't think we could be in a room together without something happening, which would be outside of both of our value systems because of the connection that we have, which again is very primal and nobody like pheromones, whatever you want to call it. Like we don't really know it's not conscious, but whatever there is underneath all of that, Like, I don't think we could be in the same room alone together without us being outside of our integrity. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not a good, it's not a good fit. Like you didn't, you're not the version of your best selves, if you will, while you are together. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) You just don't need to be together. (laughs) I, well, I just want to say, I love this conversation and I kind of can't believe we're already getting close to like wrap up time. Like I'm, I'm blown away by that, but I would love to know. Well, let me start with this. What is there anything we didn't talk about? Is there anything we didn't cover that you want to say? I feel like we covered so much. So I'm gonna I say I feel complete. <laughs> you feel complete? Okay. <laughs> I love it. So 
What's your favorite like book recommendation if you're going to Ooh. recommend one? In general? Yeah, sure. You can do like a couple. Most of my podcast guests can't choose just one. So, <laughs> okay. I read a lot. So <laughs> my favorite book recommendation, and this is the book that changed my life, is The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. Love 100%. It. That's where I take like, that's where my value system comes from. I love that. Yeah. It was actually part of my coaching program to read that book. So yeah, I absolutely feel that with you. It's a really good choice for everyone out there who haven't read it yet. So, all right. Well, I loved having you on. Um, and I actually, will you go ahead and tell people what the other like podcast topic was? Because I think people are probably going to want to hear from you again. And I'm like, just say what it was. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So the other podcast topic that we talked about was, um, I left my doctoral program to go back to acting. Amazing. See, everybody's going to hear about that now. Uh, I'm happy to come back on. This has been such a joy. Yeah. It's been so fun. And I've actually like had a few people that I've coached who have left like grad school. And so I'm like, I know that this is a big, big deal. And I know that people are going to want to hear that too. So hopefully we'll have you on. Where do you want people to find you? You can come find me on Instagram at Carrie Lou coaching. That's K-A-R-I-L-U coaching. Perfect. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for coming on again. I could have talked to you for another four hours. So thank you. Thank you, Stacey. This was so lovely. If you love this podcast, why not share it with your friends, your family, your favorite social media profile, literally everyone, you know, (laughs) and take a minute to give me a review wherever you listen. I love reading the reviews. And sharing is always caring.